into in one. All right, everybody, welcome to episode number 106 of the Between the Cracks podcast. I am your host, Bill, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Chris, the BTC World Tour continues this week. <laughs> we thought we were headed back to the States, but boy, oh boy, did we think wrong. Because tonight, pal, for the first time in BTC history, we are headed to Venezuela to uh, unfortunately discuss one of the most despicable and disturbing human beings I have ever come across. That's right, Chris. Tonight, we're headed down to Venezuela to discuss none other than Durango Vargas, or better known by his birth name of Jose Durango Vargas Gomez. Or you may also know him by one of his many aliases. And I'm going to read a couple off to you, Chris, and you tell me if you can kind of decipher what this gentleman is known for. Okay? So the first name we have here is The People Leader. Okay. I have an idea, but I'll I'll, I'll wait. (laughs) Uh, The second one would be uh, the Hannibal Lecter of the Andes. Remember, we said that we are in uh, Venezuela. So uh, that is the complete nickname there, the Hannibal Lecter of the Andes. Okay. Okay, this is helping. (laughs) The uh, next one is uh, the Venezuelan Maneater. It's at the tip of my tongue. (laughs) The tip of your tongue indeed, bud. Now, if somehow you were unable to connect the dots as to what we were trying to get at there, allow me to put it bluntly. Durango is one of the most well-known serial killers in all of Venezuelan history. But on top of that, Chris, as his nickname suggests, he is a cannibal. So tonight, we are taking on our first ever cannibalistic serial killer. Chris, what do you think about that? Well, I can't ever say I fancied myself a human meal, but to each their own, I guess. Let me actually give you a little rundown about old Vargas. Jose, and I'm going to correct you here, Bill, Dorangel Vargas Gomez. Oh my goodness, what was I saying, Chris? Well, I believe you're saying Durango. Oh, Jesus! Before we uh, verbally bash this guy, it is important that we we do get an accurate name. So tonight's star of the show was born in 1957 to uh, a family of poor farmers. His family actually worked with the Venezuelan Liberation Forces and the Colombian border, which uh, patrolled the jungles alongside the guerrillas. Already quite the life to start. It appears that even back then, amongst the guerrillas, they believed that Vargas was possessed. Possessed by evil spirits, that is. Well, I I would think that uh, if you're... (laughs) able to frighten or make uh, any of these gorillas uneasy by, by your presence, if they feel that you're evil, there must be uh, <laughs> some validity to, to their claims, I, I would guess. Uh, if I had to take a guess, I don't think Vargas uh, had too many friends. But nonetheless, there's not much to his background. We do know that he apparently was born in Caño Zacuro Marido, Venezuela. Dang. Very nice. 
But you're right. We don't know very much about him, but we do have a, a birthplace. We do know the fact that he did work with uh, the Liberation Forces alongside of his family, but it seems that he did lose contact with his family early on in life. And at that point, he became almost uh, somewhat of a transient, a, a drifter. Yes, exactly. And this is kind of where uh, Vargas gets a taste, should I say, for uh, flesh. But uh, his crimes were basically small time, right? They, he, he was doing things like taking chickens and cattle, I'm, I'm assuming eating them. He really kind of lived the re- a life of crime, but not quite as notorious as it would be come 1995. What happens then? Well, in 1995, Vargas is arrested. He's charged with murdering another transient. Unfortunately, that was just the beginning. He uh, then dismembered this man and consumed him. It is at this point in time where he actually becomes institutionalized. But there seems to be a little issue around this because this crime isn't exactly uh, a frequent thing around Venezuela. really anywhere. So uh, when it comes time to see a psychiatrist, they're a little uh, uneasy or unsure, I guess, on how to approach it. Back in uh, 95, when Vargas was arrested for committing that first murder or the first murder that he was actually caught and convicted of, during that stay in prison, this little weasel, Vargas, he managed to escape and began living, yet again, a, a transient existence at a park in the city of I'm going to need your help here. San Cristobal Tacricha State in Venezuela. <laughs> Hit me with it, Chris. Tachira. Uh, well, I should know how to say Cristobal because that's my name in Spanish. Uh, that would be St. Christopher. San Cristobal Tachira State. All right. So as time went on, it seems that Vargas picked up uh, right where he left off. Am I right? Sadly to say, right, you be. Because once he settled in, in this park in San Cristobal, well, who doesn't need to eat food, right? No. Uh, So he begins doing what Vargas does best and uh, kind of scanning the area, walking around, and seeing uh, what maybe he could hunt. Unfortunately, he was hunting human, and he would basically try to find other people who were homeless, or people that, you know, were maybe drunk and out of sorts, and he would kill them and basically do as we discussed before, and dismember them, and start eating certain parts. This continues on for at least a couple months, where he kills numerous amounts of people, and the method that he would use to kill these people was either hitting them over the head with some sort of a pipe or something, basically bludgeoning them, or he would stab them with like a a kind of a spear that he would carry around with him. He was living in this life of obscure poverty in this park, and he was basically just selecting victims as they were making their way through this park. And as you said, some were homeless, some were indeed drunk, so they were kind of discombobulated at the time, making them easy prey. Not only that, we do find out that he actually had a specific victim in mind, didn't he? 
He did indeed. He did have a specific type of person that he would go after. He would not go after women. And he, he believed women, uh, you know, they didn't do bad things like men did. So he, he wouldn't kill women. He wouldn't kill children. He also would not eat old people. He believed that their skin was rotten or had bacteria. I mean, it's pretty judgy to me. I mean, this, this shit would not fly in 2023, Vargas. <laughs> and not to mention, he also would uh, steer clear of anybody who was uh, overweight. Excuse me? He believed that that was way too high in cholesterol. So, I mean, not only is this guy harming people, and cannibalizing them, but he's managing to insult everyone that he finds undesirable. I'll tell you one thing, uh, insult or not, I would uh, have preferred to be a fat person when living in that neck of the woods. <laughs> Man, unfortunately, you are correct, uh, Chris. But it seems that Vargas did indeed have a specific type that he was looking for. And generally, it was young, athletic men. And in addition to that, and remember we said this earlier, there was a specific method in which he kind of went about doing these despicable acts that he carried out. And Chris, I actually have a quote here from Vargas himself, and he kind of talks about his M.O., and I'm going to read that for you right now. I used to eat the thighs, not the nose, ears, or hands, because they were too hard. If I saw a drunkard sleeping, I would kill him with my spear, cut his head off, and feel happy. I want to go back there and dig a big hole to bury them. I don't feel ashamed of anything. They have put me in this jail for nothing. So obviously this is a quote coming from Vargas after he gets caught. And <laughs> I mean, we didn't reveal it yet, but obviously we, everyone knows what's coming. But this just puts you into the uh, mind of what this lunatic is thinking. So right now, Chris, he's telling us that his M.O. is basically to cut off the head and remove the nose, ears, and hands because he was unable to eat them. And then at that point, he would try to bury the remaining parts of the body in a hole somewhere. In addition to all that sick stuff, the craziest thing to me is that, as he says himself, he feels no shame. So he sees nothing wrong with this. And it's, he's actually blaming the victim, saying that they're the ones that put him in jail. The nerve. We should mention, though, too, because he would utilize certain parts of the body like he he apparently really enjoyed eating the muscles he targeted the thighs and the calves as being his personal favorite apparently he would also eat some organ meat as well such as the heart and liver but he said it and i quote the heart and liver must be spiced up so i guess he would use herbs and spices to uh perhaps give a little flavor but uh those certainly are the most nutritious part of the human body and because vargas has no means of really preserving meat this means that the meat spoils quickly. Because of this, he would have to kill victims on a regular basis if he was going to eat, which is why in such a short period of time, in just a couple months, he's killing at least 10 people. I mean, there's apparently estimates of up to 40 at times, but he has to kill to sustain himself. So the numbers are going up fast. Yeah, and we find out that he did eat almost everything and anything he could get his hands on. But it seems, at least listening to the way he speaks of it, he thoroughly enjoyed eating human flesh. And I'm actually going to read another gem of a quote from Vargas now, Chris. Human meat is nice, 
But I eat all kinds of meat. Dogs, cats, lizards. I buried the heads and feet and threw the other bones into the river. I also stored some meat in containers. The heart and the liver must be spiced up. If I was hungry, I used to kill men, never women, because they do no harm. So this is obviously some sick, twisted thought process within the the head of Vargas here. But nonetheless, man, as you said, there was a method to what he was doing. And obviously you have to be a pretty sick person to be okay with harvesting meat from a human and just keep doing it repeatedly. But that brings into uh, the question as to whether or not these murders were actually premeditated. And the fact that he held previous victims in containers would tell you all you need to know there because he had this M.O. of the way he went about doing this and the way he went about trying to preserve whatever meat he had, even though he had no refrigeration. But he goes on to tell us how he would rid himself of the parts he didn't like and how he would attempt to store the parts that he wanted to eat at a later date. Yeah, he, he also mentions, not to go into detail, but I guess we will, that he liked to use tongues for stew and he would remove the eyes to put in soup, but he would try not to eat the hands, feet, noses, ears, and testicles. And it doesn't appear that at the time, around the time when Vargas is actually discovered, or that his victims are discovered, it wasn't really them pinning this on somebody who they thought was a cannibal. But when they find a bunch of these victims, it, it looked to police like this was some sort of a burial ground area. Like maybe, you know, there was a drug dealer or some type of satanic cult or something. And that's why they found so many bodies in one location. And that's what first led them to the site, right? I mean, upon finding a, a number of body parts, they didn't indeed think that this could have been some kind of drug cartel activity. Right. They had noticed, too, that apparently a lot of the victims were reported missing. So they're not necessarily looking for one person, and they're certainly not suspecting what the real situation is. I mean, once they find these bones kind of scattered around this park in San Cristobal, it then leads them to Vargas's little hut that he built for himself there. And it's inside that hut that this case breaks wide open because inside his little dwelling, they found a bunch of human bones scattered around the entire place. And in addition to that, authorities found several jars containing human flesh. And as it says here in the Daily Star article, innards ready to be eaten along with three human heads and several feet and hands. So upon finding this, the thought of these being random murders at the hands of drug cartels or whatnot, that goes right out the window because now after finding all this in some recluse's little shack, the police now have but one little suspect on their hands. So at this point, Chris, the authorities once again take Vargas into custody. And upon figuring out who he actually is, they realize that he was indeed the escapee from the mental institution in 1995. But the crazy thing to me in all this is the short time frame in which all of this happened. It seems that a majority of these murders, 10 of them, in fact, took place between November 1998 
in January 1999. So this is a very short period of time that 10 young men went missing and ultimately met their demise. And that says to me that in just that couple months that killing 10 people is he was probably solely living off of humans at that point in time. I'd imagine 10 people is probably enough to make you be able to last that long, right? I mean, you're asking me as if I have experience in this, Chris. Uh, I, I don't, but yes, I, I would assume that that would be enough to keep Vargas fed through uh, that, that time frame there. But nonetheless, and, and mercifully, Vargas is indeed taken into custody. After Vargas is found out and this hits the media, well, uh, they definitely run wild with it. And this is when all the nicknames start coming out. The Hannibal Lecter of the Annies, as we mentioned, amongst others... And of course, when you have somebody who has now killed many people and, and eaten them, well, that's going to trigger a psych evaluation. He's brought in, they give him a psych evaluation, and it, be, and it comes back as inconclusive because the psychiatrist really couldn't tell if he was sane or mentally ill. But they did conclude, apparently, that he was suffering from paranoid schizophrenia and that he had psychopathic tendencies. You but, think? It, <laughs> but if you go back to the quote that you had mentioned earlier, he sounds like a person of sound mind. I, I mean, he, he says, you know, I don't feel ashamed of this at all. You know, they, they put me in this prison for no reason. I, I'm just doing this to feed myself, essentially. But, of course, uh, we know that that's not normal. So, uh some theories get thrown around back and forth here. People start speculating whether or not Vargas was the killer. They even thought that, you know, perhaps he was a fall guy for some sort of organ trafficking ring. Yeah, and I actually read somewhere, Chris, that there was actually a theory that the bodies were given to him by some rogue cop. I mean, people will say anything. Can you imagine if that's really what happened, though? <laughs> it very, listen, man, it very well could be. You know what? I doubt nothing anymore. I really do. But our story doesn't end here, does it, Bill? Because whilst... Vargas is in prison, it appears he can still be up to no good. Whatever do you mean? Well, if our listeners are hungry for more, I think you should uh, fill them in on uh, the next Vargas act. Well, uh, unfortunately, as you mentioned, in 2016, we find out that old habits do indeed die hard for old Vargas here. Between September 8th and October 7th of 2016, whilst being detained at the Chachira Detention Center, Vargas himself was involved in a nearly month-long riot. This riot was out of control, so much so that it led to the death of three fellow inmates. One of those inmates being Juan Carlos Herrera, who was 25 years old. And this young man was beaten, stabbed, hanged, and dismembered, along with two other inmates, one being Anthony Correa, and another one was an unnamed inmate. And at the center of all this, Chris, was none other than Vargas himself. T to be a bit more specific, I, I had trouble actually finding out whether or not Vargas was indeed the killer of these fellow inmates, but nonetheless, there are quite a few reports that he was indeed the one that was actually engaged with the dismembering of the body and the subsequent 
cooking and passing out of the body parts to fellow inmates. Chef Vargas was in the house. Yeah, you're not kidding. I mean, how sick and twisted can you be? I mean, this guy, his rampage that we know of started in the 95 with his first cannibalistic act. And then from late November 98 to 99, he killed another 10 victims. And then at that point, he was brought into this detention center. A riot breaks out. Three more individuals are murdered and subsequently disemboweled, cooked and served to fellow inmates. And the common denominator within all these disgusting acts is Vargas himself. So Chris, I mean, you, you got to think at this point, this guy either has uh, the mental capability of being a cult leader or the inmates themselves are indeed starving within these prison walls because a prison riot and subsequent murders are a tad bit different than riots, murders, and then consuming the bodies of those that were murdered. That kind of takes things up a notch, doesn't it? It says that they were served to starving inmates, so I think you obviously have to be pretty desperate to eat human, but who knows where Vargas was being held. It could have been with other psychopaths and other disturbed people that were willing to try it, or who knows, may have before. But, yeah, I, I, I gotta hope that, or maybe not hope, that they, they were starved so badly that they had to resort to eating human flesh. And, you know, this this riot actually made international news. Because, remember, the, the, the crimes of Vargas, as we said, were in late 98 to 99. So he had been in the prison and or mental health system for nearly two decades because this riot happened in 2016. The riot lasted over a month and it led to the deaths of uh, these three inmates. And it was actually the victim's father, Juan Carlos Herrera, the 25-year-old, who was interviewed uh, by a various number of news outlets and he was the first one to kind of make the claim that Vargas did indeed do this that he butchered these fellow inmates to feed the detainees yeah it, it's actually pretty sad you know his son goes in you know as a robber who knows how serious it was how how much time he was there to serve but it, and then you find out as the father that he was beaten to death and dismembered and he actually makes a plea to please have them, you know, give him something, a bone, something that they can take to bury so that they can relieve, you know, some of the pain, you know, that they have something. Very, very brutal and just animalistic behavior. You definitely have to wonder if, if there's no proof evidence that Vargas must have been behind at least some of it. Yeah, it matches up perfectly to his M.O., and uh, we do find out that Juan Carlos Herrera Jr. and Anthony Correa, along with the other unnamed victim, their bodies were never found after the riot ended. So, I mean, if they didn't escape, and you would assume that Juan having a close relationship with his father at some point, if he did escape, he would contact him. So that, I mean, all roads lead to the fact that you'd have to think that their bodies were unfortunately consumed by other inmates. And if so, uh, you could imagine that Vargas was indeed the ringleader of that activity. Oh, I have no doubt about that. I hate this guy. <laughs> so, Chris, after this riot, there's not much known about what's happened to Vargas to this very day. But what we do know is that 
his evaluation did say that he suffered from paranoid schizophrenia and psychosis. So it's kind of a very difficult decision for the Venezuela authorities to figure out where to actually put Vargas at this point. And after that riot that took place, I mean, obviously, you know, he's <laughs> pretty much incapable of being around other inmates. Uh, he's just not trustworthy, Chris. Uh, we find out that Durango, to this day, is being held in solitary confinement at a police station as he is, and I quote here, neither considered a sociopath nor a criminal due to his psychosis. So they don't know what kind of category to put this guy in. Hence, just leaving him alone in solitary confinement because they don't know what to do with him. But get the, but, 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 Chris, let me wrap it up with this <laughs> little uh, nugget for you. Somehow, some way... Whilst roaming around in solitary confinement, Vargas, on multiple occasions, has been seen walking around with knives. Oh, brother. The question then becomes, how is this guy in solitary confinement able to get his hands on knives? Maybe it's that rogue cop again. As long as he stays the fuck where he is, I don't care what he's doing. Well, apparently at this police station where Vargas is being held in solitary confinement, anybody that comes into contact with him, whether it be police or other inmates that are, are just passing through the system there for the day, it's noted that each and every one of them are very, and rightfully so, very fearful of Vargas. And apparently now he has a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease, and it's noted that he spends his days scrubbing floors and washing laundry. Now, I don't care how domesticated Mr. Vargas acts. No one in their right mind should ever trust this little demon. I wouldn't give him an inch. Yeah, with a guy like that, you absolutely cannot because, you know, it's shown that anytime he has a little bit of freedom, all holy hell breaks loose. What's, what's funny with this is because of the nature of the life that he lived, being a transient for so many years, as you had mentioned, his victim list could soar above what we know. I've seen figures range from 14 victims down to 10 or 11, but I've also seen them soar as high as possibly 40. Because you got to assume anybody who went missing from God, since this guy w was capable of killing from, you know, the early 90s until he was imprisoned in late 99, anybody that went missing or any unsolved murder in the city of San Cristobal could easily have been a victim of Vargas. If he was properly kept in the first prison that he was in and never escaped, I mean, you're talking about upwards of 40 people's lives that could have been saved, you know? So that, that's just a very unfortunate turn of events there. Indeed. But unfortunately, Chris, with a, a diabolical mind such as Vargas, even within the walls of a detention center, he was still able to act out his disgusting desires. You disgust me. Well, that's it, Chris. That is the case of Derangel Vargas, El Comandante, the People Eater. Let me give the rundown and we can get the hell out of here for the night. You want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at btcpod2020 at gmail.com or you can get in touch with us on Facebook or Instagram between the cracks podcast. If you would like to become one of our lovely Patreons, please feel free to do so by clicking on the link in the show notes. So Chris, without any further ado, what do you say we wish the fine, fine people out podcast land the fondest? Oh, a farewell.
Thanks for my family. It's fun.